read with us today. Our text is going to be taken from uh, St. John chapter number 8 and verse number 44. Also, uh, Sister Vicky's aunt passed. Was that last night you said? Uh, her aunt passed away last night and uh, her dad has heart issues and uh, that's tough on the family, but especially upon him. Let's be in prayer for uh, Sister Vicky and her family and the passing of uh, her dad's sister and also that God will continue to keep his hand upon her dad, keep his heart uh, through the sadness of such a loss. Amen. John chapter number 8. I'm going to read just one verse. And that would be verse number 44. John chapter number 8 and verse number 44. You're of your father, the devil. The lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. You know, we don't. There, there's not a whole lot we know about Satan because this Bible's not a book about him. We're very limited in our revelation of who Satan is, but what little we know about him ain't good. <laughs> and I thought this was, it was stun. It, it's almost stunning to to realize this. It says. He abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. Just as it is impossible for God to lie, it would be impossible for Satan to tell the truth. There's no truth at all in him. Everything that emanates from him is a lie, is deception. I want to preach to you on this thought today. What would Satan say if he could tell the truth? What would Satan say if he could tell the truth? Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. And Lord, we do pray and ask that you'll just speak to our heart by your spirit through the word of God. And Lord, that you'll look upon every need in this house. You're a God that's able to meet them all through Christ by his riches and glory. Be, be exalted today in every heart. And in every life, Lord, you said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. That's our heart's prayer, to be drawn closer to you and to be made more like you. Meet every need around this altar as we seek your face in prayer. And on our ears to hear what the Spirit would say, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if we receive anything from you today, Lord, it will be by faith. Grant it, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? The Amplified reads, you're of your father, the devil, and it is your will to practice the desires which are characteristic of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks what is natural to him, for he is a liar and the father of lies and half-truths. We gain an understanding of Satan, that is the devil, through our text this morning. The Bible being a book that reveals Christ to us. The Bible's a collective volume of 66 books about Jesus. Right. How do you say that? Because the Bible said that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It went on to say that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible is more than a book. Yes. The Bible is the written print, the embodiment of what we would call Jesus Christ Amen. in a book. Amen. You can't separate him from this word. Right. There's nothing about him that's not aligned with his word. 
And the Bible is eternal because God is eternal. He said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. You don't have Jesus to embrace here in this world. You can't wrap your arms around him in the flesh and hug him, but you do have the word of God. You can pick this Bible up. You can read it, and when you read it, it's as if Jesus is speaking directly to you because he is. You can hold this Bible in your hand and it would be the same as the woman with the issue of blood said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. You can lay hold upon his word. You can embrace the promise of God's word and be touched. The more we look into the word of God, the more intimately we see and know Jesus Christ. And as we come to know him, we're to be conformed unto him and ultimately made like him. We're called Christians, aren't we? Because we're made Christ-like through the word of God by his spirit. What the Bible is not is a book about Satan. We know very little about him except what the Lord reveals unto us through his word. And we're told in our text this morning that he is a murderer and a liar. How so as a murderer? Because the thief cometh not for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. When Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel, we know that that was a work and an act of Satan. One of the very, or the very first lie that was ever told came from Satan in the garden and the very first murder that was ever committed was committed by Satan not long thereafter. So he is a murderer and a liar. He was the originator of a lie. There was never a lie spoken until it came and emanated from Satan. Think about that. He's the origination of lies. Every lie ever spoken since then is because of him. When a person lies, you can rest assured that Satan is smiling because he is the influential force working in that person's life. Satan doesn't just tell lies. Satan is a liar. Now, I would say about a, about a lot of people who are under the influence of Satan, they tell lies. But they're not incapable of telling the truth. You understand what I'm saying? They're not incapable of being truthful. They tell lies when it's convenient for them. But they are capable of telling the truth. That's not so with Satan. He is incapable of speaking anything but a lie. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, there is no truth in him. Not even a little bit. So he's incapable of telling the truth. He is evil personified. So this message today is a hypothetical. A what if of sorts. What if Satan could tell the truth? What would he say to you this morning, knowing what he knows? Here's just a synopsis, a given whole of what it might sound like. When you stay at home from church, when you don't pray, when you don't read your Bible, he would say, you sure make my job a lot easier. <laughs> that would be the truth. But he's not going to tell you that. He's just going to say, you're too tired today. You've got a lot of things going on. You want to stay home today. You can go to church next time. That's what he'll tell you. And it may be true that you're tired and you've got a lot of things going on. But what's not true is that that's a good reason not to go to the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 A friend of mine asked me this question yesterday. 
what would, what, Pastor, what do you think Satan would say if he could tell the truth? I, I just want to know what your opinion, what, what does that spark on the inside of you when I ask you that? And I said, well, just right off the cuff, and I just went down the list. He said, oh, man, oh, man, I didn't think about none of those things. That's good. I want to use that. And as I was going through the day, I'd think a little bit more, and I'd send that to him. <laughs> he said, that's good. And then I got another preacher friend of mine in on it, and he said, well, I think he'd say this. He, I said, whoo, that's good. I didn't even think about that. And I text both of them back last night, and I said, y'all ain't got me stirred up over this thing. My mind and my heart is, is just locked in on this. I think I'm going to preach it in the morning. And uh, the friend of mine that asked me, he's pastoring right now as well, he told me, he said, well, you're going to preach one side of it, and I'm going to preach the other. We'll, we'll cover both sides of the coin this morning. So, uh, amen. That, that's where it came from anyway. So he asked me my opinion. What would Satan say to me if he could tell me the truth? So I've been pondering on it, and I've prayed over it, and I feel like the Lord's in it. And if the devil could tell you the truth today, I believe this is what he would say. Number one, that there's only one God, and he would say, I ain't him. There's only one God, and I ain't him. In Isaiah 45 and verse 5, this is the Lord speaking. I am the Lord, and there's none else. There is no God beside me. Now that's to every Muslim. That's to every Buddhist. That's to every, uh, you name atheist, agnostic, church of Scientology, People that believe in a, that the there's powers of the universe that predate Christianity and all they worship the universe, whether they worship the sun or the moon or the stars. This is God talking. I am the Lord, and there's none else. Yeah, that's right. There is no God beside me. Yeah. Amen. I don't want to read the Quran. I don't care anything about studying Buddhism, Confucius, uh, uh, the, the study of Confucius or any other false god. I've been brought into the knowledge of the one true living God, the creator of heaven and, and of earth. And he is all I want to know. I, I've lived long enough to know you're not going to debate a Muslim out of Islam. You're not debating a Buddhist out of Buddhism. It's going to take a revelation of the truth. And he said, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. And we're commanded to preach one thing, not a, not a conglomeration of different doctrines and to weigh them all out and see which one makes the most sense. Preach the word. Preach the gospel to every creature. It's the only illumination that can shine into the darkness of a sin-depraved soul and that they can see the light and be born again. Amen. And this is the light. I am the Lord. There's none else. There's no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there's none else. Then he went on to say in verses 19 and 20, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together. Ye that are escaped of the nations that have no knowledge uh, that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. 
Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have I not the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself. The word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say in the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come and all that are in incensed against him shall be ashamed in the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory if Satan he's not going to tell you but if he could tell you the truth he would tell you there's really only one God and I'm not him right. but you don't need Satan to tell you that this morning the Bible tells you amen listen if Satan could tell the truth he would have to tell you there's only one name that can save, and it ain't mine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord under the glory of God the Father. There's only one name that you can call upon that if you're lost, you can go home saved today. As many as shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you call upon that name in faith, you will be saved. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> Hallelujah to God. Jesus, it's a name that reverberates uh, the very universe. Yes. Yes. Jesus. It's a name that angels bow down to. Jesus. It's a name that makes the devil himself tremble in his, in, in his shoes. Oh, yeah. That's the only name whereby we can be saved. He could tell you the truth today. He would have to tell you, your sin is not your death sentence. Yeah, right. Romans 5 and 20, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Hallelujah. I'm glad that sin is not the end of our story. Grace is the end of our story. We're saved by grace through faith. Faith in who? Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We're saved by grace through faith. Now, Satan, the Bible said, is the accuser of the brethren. He's allowed and permitted to come before God and he does so for this sole purpose. To accuse you of all sin that you've ever committed. And do you know that in his accusation, he would be right? He sinned. None of us here today have lived a sinless life. Not one. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know what that means? You need a Savior. You are guilty before God, says the law entered that the offense might abound. The law entered the equation. God needed something. <coughs> the, the law was a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. And a schoolmaster may teach you that two plus two equals four. And mathematically, that is a correct equation. And the schoolmaster is what brings us to Christ. The law 
when, when every law and every principle and every statute was added up, is that God is holy and you're not. God is perfect and you're not. Brothers, I ain't preached. Wednesday night, he's worthy and I'm not. He said, the angel said, we searched all over heaven and all throughout the earth to see if there was a man found worthy to open the book or to loose the seals thereof. And no man was found worthy to open the book or to loose the seals thereof. And I wept much because nobody was worthy to open that book. And the angel said, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof because he hath prevailed. Woo, hallelujah to God. He's worthy and I'm not. He's holy and I'm not. He's righteous and I was conceived in sin. When he found me, I was held bound. But the law entered so that the offense, the law entered the equation to let you know you need a savior. But where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Jesus didn't come to slap the gavel on the bench and say, I find you guilty. Jesus came to say, I'll take your sin guilt and give unto you my righteousness, my holiness, and my innocence if you want to make that exchange. If you want me to give my life in exchange for yours, then give your life in exchange for mine. And if you'll do that, then I'll slap the gavel down and pronounce you not guilty. That's grace. That's grace. Grace gives you what you don't deserve. Hallelujah. Amen. Satan would have to tell you today that sin is not going to be your end. Sin is not your death sentence. There's a way out. There's a way of escape. You don't have to die. You can live in Jesus. If Satan could tell the truth this morning, he would have to tell you you're healing. Has already been paid for. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And a lot of times the way he does it is through sickness, through disease. There was none of that until the curse of sin came. The Lord said, the day you eat of that tree, you'll die. There'll be sickness coming to this world. There'll, there'll be infirmity attached to sin. There'll be disease attached to sin. And Satan was the author and the originator of it. Remember, he's a liar and he's a murderer. God's not to blame. Satan is. But thanks be to God, our healing through Christ is paid for. Isaiah 53 and verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. That's for our sin. He was bruised for our iniquity. That's our sin as well. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. You know the same blood that saved you from your transgression and from your iniquity is the same blood that gives you peace in your heart and mind and is the same blood that will heal all of your diseases. With his stripes, we are healed. He would tell you if you were sick this morning. He wouldn't give you that gloom and doom with a doctor's report. We're going to have to put you on hospice. We're, we, uh, you're stage four. You've got six months to live. You've got an incurable, terminal sickness or disease. For what you've got, there's no remedy for. For what's ailing you, there's no medication we know of that can help you. We get that all the time. But what he never wants you to realize is your healing's already been paid for. Come on. 
If a man or a woman or any person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, they can be healed. In saying that, one of the most godly men I know may be dying right now as I speak. I want to tell you that's not going to be the end of it. Because sometimes in death is where we find our healing as a child of God. When we lay off this old earthly body and take on a celestial body. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I'm a winner either way, if I go or if I stay. Amen. Listen, with his stripes we're healed. You come too late to tell me that God don't heal because I am a recipient of that promise. You ever been healed more times than one? I told the story of God healing my knee ligaments when my knee would swell up from a, 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 a torn ligament in my knee. No insurance, can't afford the surgery. Couldn't even bend down. I prayed about it. And the next day, I was bending down. The Lord said, you haven't even thanked me today for healing your knee. Oh, man, I was out in the churchyard just doing squats. Hallelujah. 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 I didn't have to go under the blade. It didn't cost me an arm and a leg. Jesus paid for it at Calvary. Have you ever gone under a blade? I have. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against medicine. But I'm telling you, if I can't see without my glasses, and I can't. The Lord told me if you didn't have glasses, and you couldn't read your Bible anymore. And if you sought me long enough, if you, if you were to ask me in sincere faith, you'd find out that I'm still the God that recovered the sight of old blind Bartimaeus. I'm still the God that gave a man that was born blind his sight at the pool of Siloam. Hey, we wear glasses because that's the easiest way. And everybody that had glasses said, amen. amen. I'm just telling you, we didn't have these. I'm restricted to drive without these. You don't want me to drive without my glasses. The reason I never forget my glasses at home, I may, I've walked out of the house with them before, sat down in the truck and looked through the windshield and it's like that. I was like, oh, I forgot my glasses. You don't want me to leave home without my glasses because I can't see. But if I couldn't go nowhere, if I couldn't do the will of God, if I couldn't read my Bible and I kneel down in the prayer meeting and say, Lord, I can't live another day like this. I can't go on without, uh, without being able to see. I can't do the will of God without seeing. I'm telling you, we'd pray through and we'd learn our healing's been paid for. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He would tell you if he could tell the truth. It was possible for him to tell you the truth. He would tell you this morning that the Holy Ghost wants to live inside of you. 1 Corinthians 6 and 13, meats for the belly and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication. He's talking about this body. This body. The body is not for fornication. But for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God hath raised up the Lord. And will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. 
You ever heard of venereal disease? You ever heard of AIDS? You know what that is? Fornication is a sin against the, your own body. Do you know what fidelity in marriage is? You know you keep your vows, keep yourself only to your spouse. You ain't got to worry about none of that. I don't know how I'm going to die, but I'll tell you a few ways I ain't going to die. Hallelujah. Every adult understands what I'm talking about. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Believe it or not, your body was given to you to house God's spirit. When we're saved, we are bought. That's what the word redeemed means. Who redeemed us unto God by his own blood. We've been bought not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the incorruptible blood of Jesus Christ. The precious blood of Christ. Precious there means incorruptible. Something that can't perish. I've been redeemed by the blood. Now when you buy something, when you purchase it for yourself, when you redeem it, you own it. It belongs to you. And everything I've ever bought that's mine and for my use, for my possession. Look, when I bought my house, it was to live in, not to look at. When I bought my vehicle, it was to get inside of it, to operate it, to use it to, for my will and for my purpose, not to look at it. When I bought these shoes, it's to put them on my feet. And to wear them, not to look at. Uh, when I bought this suit, uh, I had every intention of getting on the inside of it. This suit uh, has been all over the world. Why? Because that's where I've been. And when he bought you, his sole purpose was to fill you with the Holy Ghost uh, and to carry you in the whole world to preach the gospel and to do the works of God. That's what your body was bought for. If he could tell you the truth this morning, your body's not to sin with. Your body's not made for fornication. Your body ain't to just indulge yourself with the pleasures of this world. Your body is the house of God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Treat it. Take care of it. And use it for what God saved it for. Your eyes weren't given to behold filth. Your eyes were given to see where God wants to take you and to, and to carry you to what God wants to do in your life. Your hands aren't to indulge in, in sinful practice. They're to do the work of God. Your feet weren't to carry you into a barroom somewhere. It was to carry you into the house of God this morning and to the four corners of the earth. Your tongue not made for lying, but for blessing, for worshiping, for praising, and for preaching. Your ears weren't given to you to listen to garbage. Your ears were to hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church. Thank you, Lord. The devil would tell you, if he could, I can't stop you, even if I try. I can't stop you, even if I wanted to. Acts 5 and 38, now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Happily you be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, 
They commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. The devil tried to stop them. He couldn't. From the time that Jesus rose again and ascended back to the Father, Satan's been against the church. Uh, here we are, 2024, and the church is still marching on. Woo, hallelujah. Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the earth. Uh, as long as the earth is, uh, the church will be. And as long as the church is here, he can't stop the church, uh, though he tries. He'd tell you if he could, Jesus is about to come. Yeah. Hebrews 10 and 35, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. If you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. That's taken from Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. I will stand upon my watch. Set me upon the tower. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Our Lord said in Matthew 16 and 27, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, that he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. You don't need the devil to tell you Jesus is about to come, do you? Because Jesus himself is telling you that. He would tell you if he could, Christ is going to win. And I'm going to lose. And the whole world's going to see it. Revelation 20 and 7, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea, and they went up on the breadth of the earth and could pass the camp of the saints about. And the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of iron brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. That's Satan's end. There ain't nothing he can do to change it. There ain't nothing he can do to rewrite the story. What God said, he said. And what's done is done. Christ wins, he loses, and that's the way it's going to be. Hallelujah! We already know that. You just need to be reminded of that this morning. He ain't going to tell you that, but the Lord will. Habakkuk 2 and 14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. When Biden and all of his cronies, when all the when Putin and Xi and whatever that rocket man in North Korea, when God takes them all out, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's going to be Jesus from sea to shining sea. There ain't nothing the devil can do to stop it. I said there ain't nothing the devil can do to stop. Kirsten, if you'll come help me, I'm closing. I think he would say to somebody here this morning, keep praying because God hears you. Amen. Keep praying because God hears and answers prayer. Thank you, Lord. 
What was Bartimaeus doing? Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And somebody said, hey, man, keep quiet. He can't hear you. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Hey, man, didn't you hear me? Keep quiet. He's all the way on the other side of town. He can't hear you. Thanks. That lets me know how much louder I need to holler. Jesus! Have mercy on me. Hallelujah. Somebody said to Jesus, hey, bring that man that's hollering. Bring him to me. Son, what would you have me to do for you, Lord, that I might receive my sight? Be healed. His eyes were open. He followed behind Jesus, worshiping, praising God. Thank you, Lord. The devil ain't going to tell you, so I'll tell you. He could tell you the truth. He'd say, keep praying, because God hears you. What he'd have to tell you is keep going. God's going to help you. You don't need him to tell you that, do you? Because the Lord already did. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The devil could tell you this morning he's not. But he'd say keep singing. Because all heaven rejoices with you. He ain't going to tell you that. But the Lord told you singing unto yourselves. And spiritual hymns making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. <laughs> the devil would talk to me this morning and could tell me the truth, which he's never done, not one time. He'd say to me, Brother Ricky, keep preaching. Boy, it's working. He never told me that one time. <laughs> What he's told me is you might as well quit. Because ain't nobody wants to hear what you got to say. It's not having any effect. People's getting farther and farther away. They're growing colder and colder. But if he had to tell me the truth, I believe God would make him say, keep preaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's working. Oh, yeah. I don't need the devil to tell me that because God already did. Yeah. My word shall not return unto me void. It will accomplish what I sent it to do. Hallelujah. One man sows, another man waters, and God gives the increase. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil could talk to you this morning and have to tell you the truth. He'd say, keep fighting a good fight of faith. You're winning. You can't lose. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't need the devil to tell you that, do you? Because God already has. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. No weapons formed against you shall prosper. Every voice that rises against you in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the children of God. Victory is your heritage. In Christ, you can't lose. Hallelujah. And again, one more time. If God would make the devil tell you the truth, his last word would have to be, Maranatha, the Lord's coming. I believe the devil himself knows that his time is short and that he's raging in this earth. He's working overtime because the Bible said he knows he has but a little time in which to work. And if he had to tell you the truth this morning, he'd say, church, you better look up because we're right on the brink of the rapture. Your redemption's drawing nigh. He ain't going to tell you that, but the Lord did. I'm telling you this morning, we're about to go home. You got more reason to live for God and walk in victory right now than you ever have before. It ain't the time to, to, to draw back. This is the time to, 
put it in overdrive. It ain't a time to slack up. Now's the time to work harder than you ever have. It ain't time to lose hope. That's the time to look up, catch your second wind, sprint across the finish line, and finish well for Jesus. You're able to stand with me this morning. My buddy, Brother Don Hinkman, out in Saratoga, he's preached for us before. They contacted me years ago. I, I don't know how many years ago. It's it's just been uncommon the the shared likenesses of our calling, our ministry. He lives in Saratoga, about 45 minutes out of Beaumont. They found Brother Clinton years ago online when he was still pastoring there in Beaumont. They would have church. Brother Clinton do Bible study about every morning of the week. A lot of people would go to go to service in the morning just to do the Bible study. He said, man, that's, that's what, he was our pastor. We, we'd go in the morning Bible studies and feel like we was having church every day of the week. He said, just impossible not to live in victory when you're doing that every day of the week. And he said, uh, God called us pastor of this church. And he said, our first Sunday at the House of Prayer in Saratoga, Texas. Our first Sunday was the last Sunday in October of 2002. You know what Bible Way's first Sunday was? The last Sunday of October in 2002. We started, he started that work, and we started this work on the last Sunday of October. They, I preached in a camp meeting with Brother Clendenin, and somebody gave them a CD and they listened to the message. They said, we need to get this man to come preach. And they found me on Facebook, sent me a private message and asked me would I come preach. I said, man, I'd love to. We, we became best of friends. They called me yesterday. They, uh, his wife's son, she had a son previous to their marriage. His wife's son, he's, he's grown. He, Anyway, he had two daughters. Him and his wife were both drug addicts and both in and out of jail. At a time, both of them's in prison. Said so the daughter called from, from jail, from county lockup, said, I need you to go to the house and get the babies. Two girls. One of them was just an infant, one or two years old. And the other one wasn't much older, four or five. There was a few dogs in the house. There was, there was dog manure everywhere in the house. The kid, the oldest daughter, was sitting in a pile of dog manure. Said she had skin sores and boils all over from being in that filth. They were malnourished. Would have starved to death, she said, probably in, in a matter of days. She said, we called Child Protective Services over. They took one look at that and said, y'all got custody of these babies. And so they've raised them. Trinity is uh, 16, Bella's 13. They've raised them. Time they babies. Trinity's 16 now. Dad's still in prison, mom's out. Start having contact with that mom and the mom telling her how oppressed she, she is. You living with, you know, people that are in some kind of a cult. They don't want you to know what life's really all about. Trinity's gone into a state of rebellion. Just refuses to want to be with them anymore. She talked her baby sister in. Hey, they, they, they stole us away from my mom and dad. They're making us live this life. We need to go back live with mom and do what we want to do. And he said, them babies, they, they come got them yesterday. CPS gave them back. Now that they're old enough to do what they want to do, and said, them babies left us yesterday. Him and Debbie just sitting in the house crying. And he said, brother, that's, that's evil. That's wicked. To pull them babies out of this home like that, 
and to give them up under a woman that's on drugs and living like a pure devil. He said, that's the most evil, wicked thing I can think of. We need you to pray for us because we feel like we feel like both them girls died. Our, our hearts are, are just grieving. Well, that's him. One of my dearest friends, Brother Matt Collins, lost his family. He's out of the pulpit. Brother Short Ridge, out of the pulpit, all of hell. Warring against his heart and mind, telling him, you ain't, you're done. You ain't never going to preach again. I'm just telling you, every devil in hell wants every child of God to believe it's, it's the end for us. There ain't no way you can win. You're losing. I'm going to crush you and defeat you and destroy you. That's his lie. But God's truth is we can't lose. Keep praying because God hears and answers prayer. Keep fighting because we're going to win. Keep preaching because the lost are going to be saved. Keep believing God for your healing because your healing's been paid for. Believe God until the answer comes. Live your life as a Christian as if your body is the very temple of God. And don't let the devil convince you to use it for anything evil or carnal, but to live full of the Holy Ghost because that's God's will for your life. Amen. Many of you meet me in this altar this morning. Say to the Lord, I don't need the devil to try to tell anything to me. I've had you and I've had your word. And I know just as sure as he can't tell the truth, you can't lie. And I believe you this morning, Lord. I believe in you for my son, for my daughter. I believe in you for that husband, for that wife. that's yet unsaved. I believe in you, Lord, you're going to heal this body and with your stripes I am healed. I believe in you, Lord, this battle as intense as it is though it seems like the devil has the upper hand and though I'm outnumbered he tells me I can't win that there's not going to be any way that this is going to have any good outcome at all I heard you say this morning that in Jesus I can't lose that I'm more than a conqueror that I'm going to win I believe you Lord I believe you this morning